Hello and welcome to the Man On Podcast. Flying as a duo today. No Martin. Sunning himself in Croatia. Lucky bugger. Yeah, just us pasty too, isn't it, Darren? I think today is the best way to describe it. Pasty too. Pasty too, yeah. What a horrible thing to say. The amount of time I've been outside lately playing sport and stuff, I should have really got some sort of suntan, especially with my haircut. I should uh, be peeling and all this sort of thing. But for some reason, I'm still reasonably white. I've played some cricket, played lots of football, obviously outside in in the sun, the wind, all this sort of stuff. But I don't feel that brown. Um, yet you said a with, I mean I'm going to go back to the bit that you said with your haircut <laughs> I make it sound like it's a choice don't I it's not a choice <laughs> yeah you, you did you did for a minute <laughs> I'm not in mood so um, yeah well on the screen is what's happening today it's the Brighton it's the Brighton pod yeah we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago we did an Arsenal one um, that was very heat map centric um, and we said there which team would be best to focus on next. I think we kind of a- agreed on our WhatsApp group that maybe Brighton might be a good one to tackle because one, they've got good fixtures in the first couple of game weeks. Two, I think they've, they've got enough attackers that there's some desirable ones in there that we might be considering more longer term than the game week one game with Luton. So I thought I'd have a look to see if anything sort of shone from not just the heat maps, but some just some general stats around the players as well, because I think the heat maps are quite tricky with them because they rotate so much, unlike Arsenal, who are maybe a bit more static in their best eleven, or at least they were last season. I think Brighton are a bit more a bit more complicated to work out, and obviously they've got Europe and, and stuff to contend with this year as well. So it won't be quite so easy. So I've thrown some stats in that might help move the analysis along and clarify a few things. Um but yeah, we'll, we'll see where we end up. I'm not coming into this one with any preconceived ideas. Obviously, I've made these slides, but at the moment, I still haven't got a clear angle to go in with. I think for Arsenal, I kind of knew where it was going. This one, I'm still not completely sure, to be honest. So between the two of us, we might make some conclusions here. Absolutely. And uh, my apologies. I was on mute for the very start of our podcast there. And when I say mute, the system had muted me. Every now and then the little thing does an update and for some reason it kicks off the microphone and says there's no device. Um, so you could hear me because it was on my PC, but no one else could. Thank you to Spartans for pointing that out. That should now be fixed. Um, and Wavy Wavy says, evening gents, got offered a job today, so feeling good. Excellent. But they, can hear, they, can, they can hear me saying that now. So that's, that's obviously good. I hate, I hate technology sometimes and I work in it. I think you did a really good gag out there, Darren, at the start of the pod that you could repeat for, for, for people uh, could hear. To, I mean, we could do a recap, but you did pretty well. Your haircut, the pasty too. Martin's not here, he's in Croatia. Yeah, done, move on. Kind of covers it. <laughs> cool. So, Brighton total goals. Let's get going. So we'll start off with some overall team analysis. I think there was a reputation last year that Brighton were quite an attacking team. Scored quite a lot of goals. I hadn't really looked before today or before preparing for this pod in terms of how well it actually done. So I thought I'd start off just overall 38 games where Brighton ranked in terms of various attacking metrics over the season. So on the screen right now, for those on listening on audio, is Brighton's total goals, in which they scored 72, which puts them fourth best in the league behind Man City's 94, Arsenal and Liverpool. Goal attempts, they had 613, which was actually the highest in the league. Uh, and their conversion rate was 11.7, which was a bit below the other teams that sort of finished around them in, in the top six. So they shot a lot, um, but maybe didn't convert as well as some other teams. I don't know if that's just because their chances were harder, like lower XG chances or whether they're just not as good at finishing as the likes of Haaland and, and players like that are obviously a bit more elite in terms of how deadly they are. So probably various sort of reasons for why their conversion rate is less. But... Quite promising numbers there, Darren. I'm sure you'd agree. Fourth for goals, first for goal attempts. Looking into this yeah. season, can't be can't be bad, can it? You know, highest attempts. Yeah, you, you can't can't be too bad. So just because you shoot a lot doesn't necessarily mean you score a lot of goals. We we all we know about Darwin Nunes, right? Um, has <laughs> Darren, quite a lot of chances and doesn't score. Craig, he, <laughs> he's currently in my FPL team. Of course he is. I wouldn't expect anything different, Darren. But um, <laughs> he's in. But throwing that in mind, I put the, the the first nine fixtures up there on the screen as well. So the first three, um, I don't maybe choose to take note of the colour because that's obviously down to the individual if you think it's a good game. But I think most people will be quite content with Luton at home, Wolves away, 
West Ham away. I was going to say, game weeks. as FDRs go, that's pretty solid. You'd find in a hard argument against that. So, yeah, the, the, the first point of this pod was, was we going to get to the point where we felt it was essential to have at least a piece of the Brighton attack, bearing in mind that at least those first three fixtures. You could argue first six. Newcastle at home maybe is in a red. Man United away, we don't know now if, if Anana signs and things like that, if that's still a red. And then Bournemouth at home is obviously quite good. I think we could all agree seven, eight, nine, maybe not the best, but whether you, you're playing one to three or one to six, uh, I think this is promising towards that you want a Brighton attacker based on they, they obviously shoot the most in the league, or at least they did last year. So um, we can move on from that one, Darren. Yeah. I then did a smaller sample from when the Zerbi signed. So his first game was game week nine. Um, Brighton drew three all at Anfield against Liverpool. Trossard scored a hat-trick, um, if that rings any bells. So I looked at Brighton's numbers for that period of time from game week nine to the end of the season to see if there was any notable difference in terms of how Brighton operated. And you can see for total goals for, for that block of games, they jumped from fourth to third, only marginally, um, still behind Man City and Arsenal. And even more so, in terms of goal attempts, they're substantially more than everyone else now. They're, they're sort of 40, 50 more than the nearest pursuers. Liverpool second, Arsenal third. Conversion rate still much the same, still the weakest of those around them in the table. But I think you could argue they shoot even more under the Zerbi than what if you took an average under his game yeah. compared to the, the very small pot of sample at the start and increases their numbers further. I've also increased a few, uh, added a few bullet points over on the right side. So these are all the metrics. They were top four in the Deserby block. Um, they were top for goal attempts. They were top for shots in the box. They were top for shots on target. And they were tops for minutes per chance. So argument and the most attacking team in the league uh, under the Deserby right now. Um, and to me, that makes me feel like it's really hard not to want possibly even two to start the season. I, I think... to say, who's doubling <laughs> up now? <laughs> Well, there's a perception. I don't know Luton as well as maybe you do, and at least as well as Martin uh, would do. You watch more Championship football than me, and are more familiar with how our teams play and our attacking or defensive teams are. But I think it's an obvious perception that a home game with Luton is, on paper at least, the easiest fixture in the whole calendar. Yeah. Um, so again, they've got easy, they're the most attacking team in the league based on these numbers from last season and game week one. They've got the, the best fixture in the calendar, so it's hard not to be aggressive in your stance and approach to, to that game week that you probably do want two. And then say so you may want to think about phasing one out soon after. You may want to think about phasing both of them out soon after. I say, again, it depends your your appetite. Do you want to keep them for longer term than that? But it's certainly looking like you want one for the first three weeks um, to go with probably, I'll say we spoke last week, I think about Estupinam being 50% owned. Yeah, so he's obviously in a lot of teams as well. But I've seen quite a few drafts at the moment with no Brighton attack because... There's obviously a lot of good options this year, but brave person to think on. Yeah, I think I think if you're going to take like, whether you view it as a punt or not as a punt, um, and there's so many options. I think that's the hard part with Brighton. You're not completely guaranteed to know who's going to play in game week one. They've probably got probably ten players competing for three or four positions at the moment. So maybe some players look more nailed for minutes than others. Um, do you just take a punt in game week one, hope they play, and if they don't play, sell them in game week two, and you haven't really lost anything? Fair enough, you're wasting the transfer almost technically, mm -hmm. but there's there's that approach. So do you just bite the bullet and pick one? But I say 531 shots in the Zerbi era, next best is 488. That's quite a big gap, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a massive gap. <laughs> so and if, 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 if they start converting them as well, that's that's the worry. Is yeah, so hopefully the next couple, of, we're going to talk for a few little bits about Brighton here, but um, hopefully there'll be some slides later that maybe highlight who the wasteful players are and who the better players are. Um, we'll get to those in, in, in due course. So if we, if we go on, yep. um, I've also done another breakdown. So I've done um, Brighton versus the top half of last year, so the, ten, well, the other nine teams that finished in the top half, and then the 10 teams that finished in the bottom half to see if there's any notable difference there. Obviously, the first three game weeks were all against teams that finished last season in the bottom half and they're the fixtures we're looking at them for. But then Newcastle, Man United, are bad, are Brighton for those games. So here's the first evidence of things not looking so good. Um, hmm. Just for the record, I think they're about 8th or ninth in terms of goals against the top half last year. So only 24 compared to Man City, who had 40, Arsenal 37. Goal attempts-wise... Again, they're right in the middle of it. Not the, not top now, but certainly not noticeably worse. They're, they're up there with the likes of Liverpool and Newcastle in terms of how often they're shooting. Their conversion rate has dropped off, though. So, again, is that to do with 
they're having shots still, but maybe they're more pot shots from the edge of the box and, and or from narrow angles and things like that. Are they not getting the same number of, I suppose, what you'd call big chances? So down to 9.3 for conversion. Where are a lot of the other teams on, on in this chart, the Man City's, the Arsenal's, their conversion rates are largely in line with average. Um, Brighton have had a notable drop there of like 2%. Um, just for those on audio again, in, in this, against the top half, they were, Brighton were third for total attempts, third for minutes per chance and third for shots on target. So no concern necessarily with those types of numbers, but maybe in terms of how many goals they scored. I don't know what you think about that. Any big takeaways from that? Or is that just one of those sort of samples? Um, it's just, yeah, it's going to say it's just one of those samples, isn't it? It's, it is very interesting in all fairness. Um, it's one more or less like, it shows to me that potentially if you've got Brighton assets, attacking assets, let's say against the top teams, like, don't be fearful potentially of benching them because as you can see against the top half, they don't score that that often, like which is which is which is exactly what this is highlighting now. So, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't scare me off if I had a better option somewhere else. And that's part one of those rules that we did this year is kind of like just yeah, don't be scared to, to bench a player for one if you do think the other player, regardless of his value, is gonna do better. Um so yeah, for me not a huge takeaway from here. I would have said, I would have expected Brighton to have scored less goals against the top sides. Yeah, I think the other teams that kind of finished above them, not in this chart, but Tottenham, Brentford, teams like that did score more goals against the top half than Brighton. Yeah. Um, they've obviously got quite a recognised prolific striker with, with Tony, with Kane. Liverpool obviously got Salah, who's quite reliable for goals. I guess in this case, Brighton still searching for that player. Whether that becomes Evan Ferguson in the long run, he's obviously still 18, 19, whatever he is. He's yeah. on his way, I think, to becoming that guy. But at the moment, I don't think they've got that player no. that you can rely on for 15, 20 goals. And maybe that's because the minutes are so rotated. Where the likes of Tony and Kane, you kind of know, play 90 minutes every game on penalties. That will all help towards their overall tallies. Brighton had a midfielder on penalties and their strikers all... I think it doesn't come up today, but I don't think their strikers very often played 90 minutes. Whichever one started was replaced by the other one. Yes, that, that, that happens all the time. So it's obviously harder for, for these players to get 15, 20 goals when their total minutes will be less than they haven't got penalties, which obviously does factor in. Maybe they're not quite as clinical in, in open play as well when they do get those chances. Spartans has just asked a good question in chat and I was literally about to ask a very similar question myself. So he's put, except Luton, do you think the established Premier League teams in the early fixtures will now have worked out Brighton style and maybe reduce their stats from last season? And to go along with that, I was all going to use the caveat, which I've been speaking to you guys in, the, in our little WhatsApp chat about a lot anyway, is I think Brighton, although their attacking numbers were good and they look very attacking, I don't think they, I feel like it was a one season wonder type thing and they're not going to be as good as they were this season. And I back that up by the fact they've obviously lost McAllister and they've obviously, they're going to lose Caicedo because he just wants to go. Um, and, you know, that's two massive players for them. Now they could replace them. Don't get me wrong. They could, they might have upcoming young players again, like the Brighton seem to dig these, dig these gems out of nowhere. But at the same time, they also don't play them for 90 minutes or for, or put them straight in for length of time. Look at Enciso, look at Buen Bonito. I can't say his name properly. Um, right, right winger. Yeah. Buenito, what his name is. Uh, right winger. Um, they don't put these guys in and play them like every single game, like Enciso will play a game or drop out, blah, blah, blah. So, I think with losing two major players, unless they actually start to recruit well, like decent stars, I do think that your Spartans could be onto something as well. They're going to be worked out quite well, and uh, that, that yeah, they might they might well be a mid-table side this this season. I do I don't, I just don't see them doing the same thing again, which is what which is kind of what put me off. Like I've said to you before, having a Brighton. Like Matoma was the one in my midfield I was looking at getting rid of. Now I've chose Matoma. Looking at other stats recently, Matoma could become gross, for instance. Um, so let's just say Brighton mid. But I considered not having a Brighton mid. However, the first couple of slides here today has convinced me that I could probably do one, and I don't want to take that on. <laughs> um, but like people bang about Evan Ferguson, I just for me, I don't know. I think the way they play is very. There's no reason it, it it's the style rather than the quality of player that makes them good. 
they're not a team of individuals that rely on individual genius. A bit like Man United maybe have done for a couple of seasons now. I think they're on their way to becoming a good team again. But for the Solskjaer era and for the Rangnick era and maybe even the last Ten Hag era, they've been very reliant on Be two or three players basically carrying them through and having individual moments to win games. Yeah, I think Brighton are very much a team without a superstar. They've got players in there that can play for top six clubs. We'll see it with McAllister this year. We may see it with Kayasada. I'm sure Matoma's capable of playing for a for a top six club. But it's the, the, the team style and and that, that makes them so good. They play 3-2-5. They mix it up to 2-3-5, 3-1-6. And there are ways to combat that. Everton famously did it towards the end of the year. 1-5-1, quite famously away to Brighton when they basically just hit them on the counter-attack, forced Adam Webster to keep yeah. bringing the ball out of defence. Um, then he gave the ball away, he got caught out of position, then they hit him on the counter-attack through McNeil and things like that, and that worked. Whether all teams are capable of playing that way, whether all teams have managers that are prepared to set up with that defensive mindset first, that Sean Dyche clearly set up that game to with the priority of nullifying Brighton and then counter-attack. Some managers, I think, are a bit proud and want to beat teams playing their way rather than beat teams by stopping the opposition. Um, so I think that comes into it. I'm not so worried about losing the best players because as we said before, I think this won't be the first time Brighton... I think if you go back to the start of last season, Darren, had you even heard of Moises Caicedo? Whenever, when Basuma left, I think everyone thought, oh, they ain't going to be able to replace him. Totally agree, and then, yeah. And then they found Caicedo. Matoma wasn't particularly well-known a year, 18 months no, ago. He, and he, he just broke through. Yeah, yeah. Went, Wavy Wavy made a really good point after after I said my bit and we were chatting. He, you know, he said he thought the same when they lost Basuma and Kukurea. Um, and then later on, they lost Trossard. So, you know, they have, I guess, Brighton have lost three very good players there and still managed to, um, yeah, still managed to do well. So maybe they bought quite young, bought into the system. They play a certain way. Players are, it's not overly complicated. It's a lot of one-touch passing and moving. And even, you don't have to be necessarily an elite player to operate within that system. As long as you're really drilled and know what you're doing within your role, obviously certain characteristics, if you've got them, help. Um, it's helpful if you're a good dribbler out wide, for example, like a Matoma. Not every person, not every wide player could perform the function that he does. But a lot of the players they buy, they're obviously barely specialist in terms of what they're being asked to do, hence why they're being bought. Um, so I, I'm not overly concerned about those leaving because you just think there's more on the production line, right? They'll dig out from somewhere. There's a slide later on coming around all of the, the depth of midfielders they've got, a lot of which most people won't know right now. Yeah, they wouldn't surprise you if one of those becomes a fifty million player next season, would it? No. Um, I think it's worth the risk, basically, those first three games. Maybe they won't be as good. Maybe these numbers will tail away. But for what we know right now, I haven't. We've obviously got pre-season to get through and see how that goes. But I don't think there's enough concern with me yet to think I'm not going to do it for the first three game weeks. If the first three no. game weeks are a bit no. shaky, then maybe you reassess. But, yeah, I t- I totally agree with that standpoint. Like I think you. Like, I mean, don't know if you've made many drafts or played around a lot, but every single time I do any sort of team, I can't not put a Brighton midfielder in. Like, I, I just can't do it with that, with those fixtures to start with. Like, I think Luton and Wolves are two relegation candidates this year. So for me, like, that's two pretty easy games for, for me. So, yeah, going without Brighton would be very silly. And obviously West Ham without Declan Rice. I know they've just won 6-2 in Australia, I think, in a recent friendly, but we don't know quite how open they're going to be and what their solution is to, to combating no Rice. West, did you say West Ham won? Yeah. Yeah, they, they've beaten like Borum Wood and someone else ridiculous. Perth, like, Perth Glory. Yeah, it? let's not get really excited. like <laughs> Because I started to get a little bit excited about Bowen because his pre-season form has been pretty good. And I was like, oh, Bowen, 6.5. Not a great start. But then I was like, hang on. Step back. Who did they beat? It was like, yeah, Borum Wood and Perth Glory. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> okay, <laughs> not doing it. Um, do you move the slide on? We'll move on to the bottom half, and this is a lot better again. Yeah. So this is more in line. Total goals back up to third, and actually very close to Man City and Arsenal this time for for total goals. Attempts are not actually first this time. They're behind uh, behind Liverpool, who had more goal attempts against bottom half teams. But less goals um, by far. Yeah, so Liverpool this time struggling for conversion rate against the, the weaker teams in the league. Uh-huh. Uh, and decent conversion, 13.5%. It, it strikes me that 
my general assumption and opinion is that those teams at the bottom tend to be down there largely because they're quite they've got quite bad tactics. They obviously got inferior players as well compared to the top half, but they don't do themselves any favours tactically in terms of formations and pressing and things like that. So I can imagine Brighton get good control in these sort of games, have all the ball, um, maybe play a lot in the opposition half. Think everything they do defensively, they can do 15, 20 yards further up the pitch and yeah. then obviously the goal a lot more, you've got more chance to score. So we we kind of we kind of know that from du- like sort of dunks passing tears in the sky and stuff, don't we? They play out from the back and they can move the ball forward quickly. Yeah, and and, and the main tactic is they invite they invite teams to press them, where That's most teams they really want to be pressed in their defensive line. Brighton are happy to, yeah. because what they try to do is drag the opposition up the pitch so then they can run in behind them. Speed, if you yeah. set in quite a deep com- uh, compact block, you can't really get in behind that. So by encouraging teams to press your defense. As teams pressed, other players behind them backed them up the press and things like that. And before you know it, the whole team's moved up the pitch 10, 15 yards and Brighton with their one-touch passing can then look to exploit that space that's been vacated by everyone pushing on. That's a very basic sort of view of how they play. Um, but yeah, good numbers against, say, three teams in the bottom half for three game weeks. Um, quite promising, I would say, for on, on this slide towards that. 48 goals and 356 shots in, in 20 games. Mm, that is that is very telling. <laughs> Do you know what? I mean, I'm 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 more shocked at Liverpool. In all fairness, yeah, they must have been just quite wasteful last year. Again, again, where we've looked at Brighton already on a slide today from the Deserby block onwards, it might be worth looking at Liverpool from when they they changed their formation. Obviously, we've done it a bit at, at times in our recent pods. From I think it was game week twenty eight or twenty nine, they first started to play this new system. Mm. So. If we do, if we end up doing a Liverpool one of these before the season starts, then we'll we'll isolate that block of fixtures and see how well they do. Um, but yeah, not 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 great reading, but they're getting the chances at least. Liverpool. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, I, I do expect them to stick more away this year as well, which uh, I do think they'll be quite good this year. In all fairness, um, but yeah, Brighton there obviously uh, joint third highest and 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 the and second most attempts. So yeah. Makes you wonder if they had a Harry Kane up front, what they'd be like. Oh, do you know what? I was literally about to say, <laughs> if they do sell Caicedo, they've still got McAllister money. I really hope they buy a well, like a like a striker, a great striker. Welbeck's getting on. They've got Ferguson, but he could do with someone maybe to learn from potentially, and and, and you know he can still share minutes. Not everyone comes in and plays the full. I'd love Brighton to just make a landmark sign and just go there. You go there's our striker. That would be that would be amazing. Um, someone who can convert those chances, then they'd be fucking flying. You fancy a top four, right? Based on these numbers, if they had someone like that. Say that again, mate? You'd probably fancy them to maybe challenge the top four if they're yeah, a striker. Yeah, 100%. Sort of if, they can, if they could play the way they play normally, they had someone at the top of the end of the pitch who could put the ball away. You know, the, the, the like Matoma and Gross have no problem getting in that area and getting a ball across a box. They just don't normally have the someone, but there's someone there to properly finish it. Um, and if they did, I think they could be really dangerous. Um, so let's hope. Let's hope they do something. They got the money. Um, cool. So next up, we've got the, the Ferguson formation. Lovely name. Oh so, yeah, I, I dug around now. Obviously, as we've said, they rotate the minutes between Ferguson and Welbeck. Mainly, Undev does play some games up front, but it's, it was mainly last season Ferguson and um, and Welbeck. So I had a little look at heat maps to see if anything drastically changed from when those two were used. So this was a fairly standard heat map in games when Evan Ferguson started. So you'll see sort of a front three fairly evenly lined up. Matoma out on the left, number 22. Evan Ferguson sort of just in the right half space, number 28. And then Solly March out on the right, number seven. And then the two number eight, I suppose you'd call them, behind uh, which in this case was Alexis McAllister as a number 10, or as number 10, and and then Pascal Gross as a 13. So then you got behind him a Stupin and obviously a left-back, Caicedo as the, the deeper mid, number 25. Nice. I think in this case it's Colwell, Dunk, and Veltman, I think, the, the back four. But no, I think when we did the, the Arsenal ones, there were certain fixtures where Saka was very high or Martinelli was very high, and the strikers yeah. dropped in and the wingers were very high to accommodate that. I think this goes to show this heat map, how compact Brighton are because they make the pitch really small. As I say, they keep the ball at the back for longer than the likes of Arsenal do. So to try and play through that, lots of players end up maybe dropping quite deep to be part of that build-up. And it's like a seven, eight-person sort of passing structure. 
that ends up with someone being through on goal. So it's it might be the leeway at Colwell in this case might bypass Caicedo going to McAllister and he bounces it back to Caicedo, where a lot of teams play from centre-back into holding midfielder to build the play. When holding midfielders receive that ball, they've often got their back to the opposition or they're on the half turn or something like that. What what Brighton maybe do better and a bit differently is the pass from the centre-back is, is a bit longer. So they play into one of the number eights who basically drops it back first time. And by doing it that way, Caicedo in the 20, as a number 25 here is now facing forwards. So he hasn't got to take two touches to turn with his back to goal. He hasn't got to turn out from the half turn. He's receiving the ball in a position where he can play a first-time forward passing to Matoma or something. And it makes quite a big difference. Imagine receiving the ball facing your centre-backs and then having to turn and play triangles and then play the ball forward. It's really hard, isn't it? It's certainly extra couple of seconds, a couple of extra touches maybe to do that. So Brighton's way that's maybe a bit different to other teams is that the holding midfielder actually receives the ball facing up the pitch, which is the way it should be, really. That's where you want players. And it's the the number eights that receive with their back to play to drop it off, um, which is it's quite an interesting sort of take, really. And I quite like that, that the Brighton play like that because it, it allows for quicker transitions to get the ball into the forward players, which is what they want. But it often does mean a lot of players, like even Evan Ferguson as a centre-forward sometimes, will come all the way back to be sort of the board, effectively, to bounce the ball back from. So mm. it might be a centre-back playing it into Ferguson, dropping deep, who then he drops it back to Gross and then Gross plays the through ball to March or something. So slightly different, similar formations to the likes of Arsenal and Man City, but different functions within that. And I think it allowed, where Man City have 50 passes, keep the ball for longer, suffocate the opposition. Brighton are always looking to sort of get in behind in like five or six passes. So coverage of the same areas, but very different way of trying to break the opposition down, really. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. I like the formation with Brighton. I, I like the way they're kind of still always lined up in formation. Like, as you said, with Arsenal, we always had either Sacro or sort of Martinelli way out there in the in the sort of left or right wing position, whereas these guys are still very regimental, aren't they? Um, but they just get forward so quickly on the wings, and that, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, obviously, you've got Ferguson dropping there as well to, to, to sort of link up play, which is quite cool. Um Similar position to Jesus, though, really, isn't it? From the Arsenal ones we did, yeah, that, yeah, Ferguson is, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's where we are when Ferguson plays. If we go on to another side, we'll see if it's a bit different with Welbeck. Excuse the fact it's in red, um, but it is a bit different here. Mm. So, um, this time March especially is quite high. Matoma also playing slightly higher and a little bit more isolated. I think it's fair to say out on the left. Um, and then a very, very central zone. So Welbeck as the 18, again, McAllister as the 10 is maybe more central now rather than the left half space. Um, in this particular game, slightly higher position for Kayasado. Gross, very similar. The right back's inverted a bit more. So it looks like a bit more play in the right-hand area. Um, and I say a bit a bit more, maybe Welbeck does play a little bit deeper. Um, I, th- I think Ferguson still possesses some form of goal threat. I think that's still his main priority in the team. As tough as this is going to sound with Welbeck playing as a team centre forward, it almost feels like his main role isn't to score goals. His role is to sort of get the def- move the defenders around to then allow space for others to, to move into almost. So he's almost like a... I used to say the same with Benzema when he was at Real Madrid. He, although he was their main centre forward, his role was to run defenders away from space so that Ronaldo could run into it. It was basically a... Deep lying forward? Well, it's not even deep lying. He's, he's just there as a, just as someone to make space. Um, deep line forwards obviously linked play and things like that Benzema wasn't really doing that his job was to take defenders away and I, feel, I think it feels like Welbeck's that, that sort of that sort of player as well there, there were instances looking at more of Brighton heat maps of him being even deeper than this there, there was um, some games he was even like, near his, the halfway line just because he's trying so hard to bring defenders up the pitch and he's being an option to receive the pass from his own centre-backs Obviously, if you if you move a little bit, the defenders don't come with you. You just keep going and going and hope that. So you that... drag them, drag them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Bobby Firmino used to do that a bit, didn't he? I guess. Um, yeah, for Salah Romani to. Yeah, to yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it, it works at the end of the day. I think potentially you've got to look at then. Obviously, Welbeck is a great passer of the ball as well. In all fairness, so if he does come back and he does receive the ball. He can spread it to Mitoma or Gross um, or March, I should say. So yeah, um, I mean it, it works for them at the end of the day. 
I mean, obviously, if they do sign a striker, like I mentioned, in fact, Wavy Wavy's just put like Bobby F. <laughs> um, if I do, if if they do sign a striker, for instance, then um, yeah, they, they, maybe they'll have to adapt the way they play because they're not going to be, I would say, signing that striker to do exactly that role again. I think they need to. Start, I need, think they need someone up there with them. It's what Man City have had to do. Obviously, when they've signed Haaland, he's a very different type of centre forward than what they've had in the past. Whether it was Jesus, whether it was even Foden playing as a false nine for a bit, the team have had to adapt to get the most out of him. And I guess it depends what Brighton want to do. What's more important, having a centre forward that can get them 20 goals and then changing the way they play accordingly? Or are they happy to spread goals and chances around the whole team for the, yeah. for the, for the, for the, for the good of the team almost? They're yeah. not over relying on one player the same way Man City are now towards Haaland, for example. They're, they're not other players do score goals for them, but there's a heavy reliance on him. There is, yeah. I think if you if you sign that sort of striker, that that uh, talisman, there is always a reliance on them as well, isn't there? Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously Brighton are going to say, yeah, we're happy to share the goals around and, and probably carry on the playing they are. So maybe they do need to sign somebody who's physically strong, can pull players out. Um, Mitrovic? <laughs> I think they could afford Saudi wages, can they? Mitrovic ain't going to Saudi, is he? I haven't seen that. I think I think he was linked. I think as has been about fifty other players in the last. Yeah, because days. every man and his dogs linked to bloody Saudi. They were giving me a call, five hundred grand. They <laughs> amazing. I'm off. <laughs> I said, do you know what? Stick your money. On it. I, I can't do. Can I do the podcast from Saudi? And they went no, and I went forget it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. That's Welbeck. So then we've got the two halves versus Everton. Is this the so one? This, they, the, this the, is the five-one game. Yeah. yeah. So Welbeck played the first forty-five minutes, and there was a couple of subs made at halftime. One of which was Ferguson coming on. So we'll look at it here, and so obviously um, Brighton are shooting from top to bottom in this case. So Danny Welbeck, believe it or not, is number eighteen. So he's their third deepest player in the first half, even though he's their centre forward. He's got the two centre backs, Webster and Dunk, behind him, and. There's a big mess when they're trying to... They're all in the opposition half, trying to goad Everton out to press them. Didn't really work. And they said they got hit on the counter-attack. The trio on the left, they're all still there. So that's Matoma, Estupan and McAllister. The number 40 in this game was Buonotti, Um Was playing. Gross, very high. Highest we've seen him, number 13. Um, Caicedo, even 25. They're all still trying to push up. And then you've got, um, yeah, Welbeck and Undav. So Undav actually played as a number 10 in this game. Oh, right. And and he's still back with Welbeck, pretty much third and fourth deepest players. They're trying so hard to get Everton up the pitch that both the forwards have dropped incredibly deep to try and move people around, Um, which was one learning. And in the second half, obviously, they was losing at this point quite comfortably, so they have to, have to change things. Sully March came on. He was number seven. He's as high as we've seen anyone in a heat map. For yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> Incredibly high, even Ferguson, so number 28, um, very high. Um, so, yeah, th- th- this was quite an interesting contrast. A game state probably does have a, bit, uh, have a, um, a reason for this because Brighton were chasing the game, obviously, whatever the score was, was it 3 0 at half time, 4 0 at half time, something like that, wasn't it? It got absolutely battered, mm-hmm. um, picked apart by Everton in that game. So, obviously, chasing the game, so players play more attacking, that's understandable. But this, I did see this a couple of times on heat maps from Welbeck being in this sort of position. Well, I never saw Evan Ferguson in this sort of position. So as much as he dropped deep, not quite to this level. So I don't know if that was a request from Deserby or whether that's Ferguson being asked, you're still our main goal threat. Don't drop quite so deep. Obviously, make yourself an option, make yourself available, try and get involved. But, <laughs> but, I, still don't want to, but I don't want to see you on the halfway line with the <laughs> centre backs. <laughs> yeah. So... I just thought this was quite an interesting heat map. I say we'll take it with a pinch of salt because I say it's game state dependent. But just as a thought, if Welbeck does start up front, we may get something like this. Obviously, it's a bit of a mismatch of the first half with like Bonate playing and things like that. So it's not. It's almost like um, we never quite got the full strength Brighton team if such a thing existed last season because of the changes that were made. But I just thought it was an interesting contrast to, that was worth oh, sharing yeah. here. And it, and it absolutely is. Yeah, it, it is a it is a contrast because like they're, they're they're the sort of two main strikers for for Brighton at the moment. I mean, NCSO plays sort of behind. He has played up front. Thing is, they've obviously got three because they've got Undab as well, and they did start to play Undab at the end of last season. Um, but I still don't think he's very good personally. 
But if you He'll come up here, Darren. He's in the slides later. Is he? Uh, yeah. God. All right. So I've, I've picked a, a handful of games for each of the main protagonists, shall we say, just have a look at some individual numbers for them, see what it taught us. Um, that was a fairly average heat map from Evan Ferguson. So no particularly red anywhere. You you might be used to seeing on heat maps red in the zone of the pitch where players are very really. familiar to be. But very much penalty spot, isn't it? Yeah, it tends to stay fairly central, quite um encouraging to me at least to sort of run the eighteen yard box is it is a going red, isn't it? Not quite red, but but going red. He seems to see he's over on the halfway line linking play, it seems like I was on the edge of the box. I was box gonna say you can see a nice little line between half, <laughs> sort of halfway and, and the uh yeah, the penalty spot. I'm sure that if I did one for Harry Kane or even Ivan Tony or something, I, I don't know if the heat map around the box would be a lot stronger, but I think that's not too bad. Um, uh, I'd say I'd say that's pretty good. And then he's, there's some stats around about him as well. Fairly reliable for XG, I would say, in a lot of cases. Combination of home and away games around 0.5 every game. Um, his returns were not amazing, to be fair. Three in these particular five games. Quite like the shots on target consistency. If you've got a forward of getting two shots on target every game, one, that's good for Sky. You get bonus points for that, obviously, in Sky, I think, for two shots on target. But also, um, obviously, you've got a decent chance of scoring if you're in a target with two shots every game. And there's the, the comment I made earlier about the minutes. In all these games he started, yeah, yeah. he was he never completed 90 minutes once. That's literally about to highlight that. Like that. That's the problem with having a Brighton striker. Like They will never complete 90 minutes. It genuinely is always off around the 60, 70 minute mark all the time. Um, and that's what puts me off having Evan Ferguson. I know a lot of people have got him. Uh, that's kind of what puts me off them a little bit. Um, I think you can suck it up at six million now. If he was seven and a half, like, I, I personally thought he should be seven million this season. Wow. Okay. But he would have then been competing with other strikers who are like the Mitrovic's of this world who are on penalties and playing 90 minutes every game. So... As much as I think I fancy Ferguson to is a better player than Mitrovic, you then got to take the fact no penalties, yeah, reduce rotation all into account, and maybe they're only. But at six million, maybe considering the, the other options at six million, who's he being compared with now? Solanke's and Crystal Palace. Six million, yeah, yeah, Solanke, Edward. I guess if you go to five point five, you've got Endai now. He's not going to Marseille, so he's not a bad shout. But of course, obviously, he plays for a much worse team who's going to be fighting probably for relegation, but. You save that point five, and you've got a player who's going to play every week, uh, bar injury. So, yeah, I mean, for the, for the for his money at the moment, yeah, you're probably not looking at anything uh, too bad in Evan Ferguson. You're right. For me, I'm just trying to save money on it. Yeah, I think if he ends, if if you can guarantee now he's going to have about a 0.5 xG most games. His average across his particular five games was 0.61, but again, small sample. But if, if you're looking at a striker who's averaging 0.5 xG. Having two shots on target every game for a team that's having a lot of shots. It's going to score one or two. There's enough in that. Yeah, there is. I think if you if you told me now, if you said, "Look, do you know what? I've seen the first. I've seen the Luton team. I've seen the light and light. Sorry, I've seen the Brighton lineup for Luton. Evan Ferguson starts up front. I'd have Evan Ferguson, but you can't. Um, it could be <laughs> Welbeck. It could be bloody Undab. It could be Nciso potentially. Um, just quickly, uh, Fadsley. Uh, New new listener, new person to the pod. I don't remember Fadsley. He's asked his gross if gross is an option. I think we've got a slide on that in a moment anyway, so we'll we'll come back to that. He also said, Do you mind if he asks something not Brighton related? Not at all, but we'll answer it at the end. <laughs> um so ask it was away. An extra gross slide, so I'll touch on him quickly now. I think the hard part with gross is that he's so I think he's one of obviously the Zerbi's most trusted players. So I think if you want the Brighton asset that's going to play the most minutes, I think he's a contender to be that guy. And obviously they've got lots of players that could leave. The problem with him here is that you're never quite sure where he's going to play game to game. And I forgot you, Pedro you, Craig. Yeah, he's coming up as well. He's he's mentioned. <laughs> I was going to say we've been talking about yeah, like honestly mm-hmm. though, we've been talking about three, four Brighton strikers here, and I've completely forgot they got João Pedro. <laughs> With, with Gross, I, I'd be livid, I think, if I got him in for Luton at home and then found out he was playing as an inverted right-back. Because, obviously, that's not yeah. a particularly attractive position to be in. Brighton use him in that role sometimes. They could use him in a couple of early games as a six if Caicedo leaves. More likely, he could be the eight replacement for McAllister. They could even use him as a ten in some games. I know we've got lots of other options, the Ncisos, the Bonates and Undavs and players, but Gross could play as a ten as well. I think the issue with him is compared to other players at his price, you just don't know where he's going to play. And 
if you can guarantee someone like Embuemo who's playing in the front three every game for six and a half, I mean, even Matoma in, at Brighton's going to play 90% of games, I would think, and he's going to play in the front three. Why would you really risk Pascal Gross when he could play five games in a row as an inverted right back? Fazli mentioned he's on pens, though. That might take a... Do you think that takes... A, a, Is he? We, we, well, McAllister's has gone, right? I don't know if we know who's on pens yet. Uh... Oh, maybe yeah, maybe we don't actually. That's I think he probably. I, I understand. I, I completely get it. I think he's probably one of the more likely. But again, if if Ferguson is going to start taking over now as the club's main striker, that's a big if. Um, when they give him pens, the same way Villa have given Ollie Watkins pens to try and boost his confidence, give him more goals. Um, <laughs> even Joel Pedro, I don't know what he's like as a penalty taker. Where he take pens? Um, There's every possibility. <laughs> I mean, so yeah. I, again, unless we see in pre-season they get three pens and he takes all of them, I'll, I'll wait to see <laughs> as actual evidence before we know that Gross is definitely on them. I think it's fair to have that opinion. We're not that but I wouldn't be completely sure yet that he's on pens. He, he's not on my shortlist because I, say, I, I think he'll play more minutes in a more defensive role than an attacking one. But yeah. again, I think he'll play a lot of minutes. I, I don't really see why you'd have uh, you'd have him over Matoma to start with. I wouldn't have him over Matoma. I wouldn't have him over Solly March either, in all fairness. No. Um, I mean, so do we have to? Well, it's just a comparison again to to <laughs> Ferguson. As you commented, Darren, there was quite a nice little yellow line developing right down the middle for Evan Ferguson. He, Danny Welbeck seems to Everywhere. be... Everywhere. Uh... All over the world. <laughs> Looks like one of my daughter's drawings when she was like two years old, this one, where, where, he's, actually one, where he's wandering off to. Um, maybe a, bit, a few more touches actually in around the penalty spot area of the box. Only yellow, not red. But a lot of Ferguson was sort of around that little D on the edge of the 18-yard box. But I think it looks like Wilbeck's got a bit more yellow in the box than Ferguson. Yeah, yeah he does, yeah. He's got more coverage. But a lot of in the, in the right half space sort of area, certainly more in his own half. Yeah. That... I'm trying to work out what he's actually doing, taking a goal Left kick. Back. Left back. Oh, yeah, goal kick. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Maybe he spends a lot of time defending a near post from corners or something. That that that's exactly what it is, isn't it? It's gonna be. It has to be. There's no reason for him to be there. But yeah, again, maybe maybe when Welbeck's playing, I think it's fair to say because he moves around and he's a lot more varied in his positioning, maybe that allows other players to take up other positions. Um so if we see Welbeck, say Evan Ferguson gets injured and we think Welbeck's gonna play five in a row or something. Maybe there's an argument then that that's upside for other Brighton attackers because obviously they need someone to get around the penalty box to finish these chances off. And if Welbeck is as old as he is now and spending a lot of time near the halfway line, he's not going to be getting on the end of things in the penalty box. I don't think he's going to get up the pitch fast enough to finish off a counter-attack. It wouldn't surprise me to see one of the strikers leave. There's too many of them. <laughs> and they only play one. Well, like some, I say Undav especially has spent minutes playing as a 10. I don't see Welbeck or Ferguson playing as a 10, though. No, no. Pedro could. Um... Yeah, he could, I guess. But I, but then you've got Enciso at a 10. I think Enciso at a 10 is fantastic. Just genuinely would be putting him. Uh, cool. So we've got the one that everyone's probably got in their team. Guilty. So, yeah, here's Matoma. More of a typical heat map for him. So we have got a dark red section on this heat map. Sort of in the left sort of half space around the edge of the box. I think that's quite common for him carry the ball down the left-hand side, always looking where possible to dip in and see if he can create something on his right foot from that sort of left edge of the box. The Thierry Henry zone, as I'd like to call it, where he used to yeah. play out there and try and bend balls into the far post, right? Matoma is not that level of prolific finishing, but similar sort of movements that he likes to make. Um, notable for him, probably more so, his XG is fairly good consistently. Um, over There's a couple of low ones on there, but I think for a, a wide forward, it's not too bad. Um, but not much output necessarily for promising numbers. Um, as a shot on target every game, a lot of key passes, but still goal and assist tally is not that amazing. And I think we've said with him before, I don't know how many goals and assists he ended up with as a total last season, but we obviously had him for long periods of time and felt like we did all right out of him because every now and again, he'd throw a decent points haul in there. Yeah, it was... Got more two or three pointers than you probably remember from someone yeah, like him. Yeah, last, last couple of games... Um... Maybe like the last five or six, I think it was, he did nothing. Everyone just kept him in because they had good fixtures, but he generally wasn't given the output he had given us before. But I was really guilty of keeping him there because, you know, he has to return one of those big hauls again soon, but he didn't. Um, 
Yeah, but I don't know if he's got it in him to get three attacking returns in a game, whether that's whatever combination that is a goal. I, I can see him chipping away with one assist sort of every other game. I, I, I probably expect it. If he played all 38 league games, I think some sort of around 15 attacking yeah, returns. I gonna, I, yeah, I'd, yeah, I was going to say definitely up around, around that number, I'd say, which for a 6.5 midfielder, you've probably got to be happy with, right? Yeah, I think, you, yeah, you probably would be. You, you may have different opinions. You think Embuemo is going to beat that tally? I think I don't think Eze will get no. fifteen attacking returns. Um, he has that price point as well. But fairly encouraging numbers. I think this is he's the steady pick, right? I can understand why people are picking him for game week one. I think he's as nailed as anyone else is. Probably the most nailed of the attacking players, I would say. Um, he gets in good positions. His attacking numbers are fairly steady. He's the safe pick. I don't think he's the high upside pick because I don't think he'll get loads of returns in one game no it feels more like that sort of ticking over player that you're keeping your team for 10-15 weeks yeah Spartans has just put uh, Matoma's regression towards the end of last season discuss before I'd even met him <laughs> I'd already mentioned he he did yeah but Spartans thinks it was like one goal involvement in his last 11 games I thought it was a bit less than that but maybe it was um, I know it was a decent spell that everyone held him because it was Matoma he was Cheap wasn't he at that point? Um, I don't yeah, know. Who knows he was. Tired. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, bit of fatigue was it? Obviously, towards the end of the season, they was blending in the likes of Enciso, the likes of Buonotti. Yeah, they're obviously yeah. still learning the ropes. All young guys. Maybe the fact he didn't have McAllister playing as a ten every week with him and and things like that. Maybe he suffered a bit for that. Uh, so maybe it was team fatigue. I don't know what it was, but yeah, I'm I'm not completely sold on him. So I think he's the safe pick. But if you, if my mindset is, I think I may want to play a Brighton player for the first three game weeks. So I think I'd rather go for someone with the explosive upside. That fair enough, they may not deliver on that, but it's the hope that kills you, right? I'd rather no, go. That, are you looking at Ferguson for that then? Yeah, at the moment, I think I am because I think Matoma will tick over with two threes and a six or something. But you look at it after and think, oh, was that really worth it? He might, he might get one haul in the first three games, but I say it doesn't strike me as someone that might get you thirty points in the first three game weeks where. There's other players in this Brighton squad that maybe can. Maybe. Could a sleeper and end up with three clean sheets and two attacking returns in the first three game weeks? I don't think he will, but he could. He could, definitely could. I'm definitely not yeah. taking it on at five million. <laughs> he's in the team and he's playing. <laughs> yeah. Is Matoma that guy? I'd, I'd, I'd have to have a look at how many double-figure returns he got last year. I don't think he's going to be many. He's more one of those players that I say ticks along. Um, steady stream of attacking returns, steady stream of six points here and there. And for 6.5, maybe right. that's good. Yeah, you could be right. Um, please don't put more Let's down. So here's, here's the other half. Sorry, um, other side. Now, that, that looks much more accurate of a heat map to what I would expect. <laughs> well, his attacking numbers are actually better. 3.83 key passes average. To say, again, small sample of six games in this case. I haven't handpicked them to try and prove a point. It was just coincidence that he's done well in these games. Um, XG's a bit less than... Um, Matoma for these particular games again goals and assists minimal it, it's why I went McAllister when I did because I felt like he was the most consistent of the three all three of them had opportunities for points last season but it felt like McAllister had penalties for starters I think his minutes were quite secure and I just trusted him a bit more to be involved like Mark, look at that game against Brentford from March he's got it in him like, Matoma's not getting numbers like this no he hasn't not five, not five shots on target and three key passes. That's pretty, pretty up so there. So these particular numbers, again, small samples, are more likely to want to go March than Matoma again for for a particular run to start the season. Again, if it was, if we didn't have a wild card till game week twenty or something, and was just relying on free transfers, like more like Sky. If it was Sky now, I'd pick Matoma of any Brighton player because I think his minutes are more secure, and he'll tick over with returns. But in FPL, if it is a small window of games. I think March has got a haul in him more than Matoma's got. So if I was going to have a midfielder, I think, looking at this, I think I'm slightly favouring March at the moment, which is very different to how I last season, where I was very much, March is the weakest of the of the Brighton mids. Well, stats back that up. Oh, it's really tricky. Um, so then we're on to the attack. Oh, hello, Endav. Now we're on to the attacking numbers. Yeah, so I put... Um, season-long attacking numbers for all of the attackers. It was hard to manage all the other ones. They basically didn't play enough games in the same position. McAllister played as a 10 sometimes, as an 8 sometimes. Already mentioned about Gross playing about four different roles. Didn't feel right to try and compare them game to game because 
there was never playing in the same position. So I've put all of the attackers in a in a table for the Deserby period per 90 minutes to try and make it a bit better. Who's the best one? Not, again, per game, because some players play 90 minutes often, some don't. So I did it per 90 minutes. And you mentioned Undav Darren. He comes out on top here. I noticed. Um, I didn't say anything. <laughs> so goals per 90 minutes, he's the best, 0.67. Goal attempts, he's actually second to Enciso, um, interestingly. Um his XGI is the strongest of all the players, 0.76 per 90 minutes. Um, and CISO, quite high for goal attempts. Mm. I think he's a bit prone to a long-range shot, if I'm being honest. I don't know how many of his goal attempts are actually from good XG positions. I think he is prone to shooting from long range. Got it in, though, hasn't he? Scored that one against City. My main takeaway from this was the XGI numbers and how consistent they all are. There's barely anything in it between any of these. No, nothing. Madness. Like Undav does stand out, but I don't think I don't see him starting many games. I think he's could play minutes up front as a substitute. He could play minutes as a ten as a substitute. He might start some games as a ten, but I'd probably expect him to start at most three out of ten games, four out of ten games. Yeah. So he did get better. He, he seemed to take a while to sort of settle into the league. He'd obviously scored quite a lot of goals abroad. Come over here. I think last season was he five million. Everyone was looking at him as a possible cheap striker. But it took him a lot of time oh, to settle in, didn't it? Oh, ages. They didn't play him till right near the end. Um, maybe he's settled in a bit now. Maybe he's more accustomed and in tune with how Deserby wants to play. Um, maybe he's their best finisher. I don't know. But he comes out of this the best. After him, it's not a lot in it between Ferguson and Ciso, Welbeck, even when McAllister last year, obviously not there now. But whoever else it is that fills that role as an eight or a 10 has got decent XGI, you would think. Um, and March and Matoma actually for XGI are a lot a lot worse, which might be something to take away. Yeah, yeah, that's not great, is it? That's but, yeah. Th- this slide actually makes it less helpful, more complicated. If anything, yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If I wanted, to. Um, well, you 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 say that, but like from for this for me, like Ferguson there stands out quite a bit. You're right. He is six million. He is away into the a third striker spot, for instance. But if I had him, then you're right. I've got six point five in a midfielder for Brighton there that I potentially could use for other people. And there are some decent price points around there. Uh, decent people around that price point. Uh, you know, I mentioned Bowen earlier. They haven't got. They've got a good starter game against Bournemouth. Although Bournemouth have made some good signings, and it might not be an easy game, um, but they, you know, there are people around that price that could could come in for a Brighton midfielder, and you stick with Ferguson, like like you have, you know, the what, you know, there's Bernardo Silva's at six point five. Now, if Bernardo Silva doesn't leave, by the way, Man City, and Mares does, I can see Bernardo Silva playing on that right a lot more, and he's very dangerous. Yeah, he's very dangerous on that right hand side. I think he's a f- wonderful footballer. So. 6.5 for Bernardo Silva. That's my way into the Man City attack. Um, and he and, and it will be Matoma making way if I look at my team as well. Um, so that would make me go for Evan Ferguson up front. I'm viewing this the same way as Arsenal at the moment. Arsenal, I want one of their defenders. I think they're one of the best defensive teams in the league and they've got good fixtures to start with. But there's a lot of defenders that I want that I think are better sort of upside picks than Gabriel and Saliba. So my only route at the moment to get an Arsenal defender is in goal with Ramsdale because I can't find another goalkeeper that stands out to me right now. And so to get the coverage, I've got Ramsdale in goal. And I'm a bit like this with Brighton Attack. There's so many midfielders I want. You'll probably have a shortlist of about 20 or 30, Darren, that are probably... You might think... I think quite comfortably you could reel off 10, 15 off the top of your head that you'd be quite happy to start with in game week one. Yeah. And if you have Matoma or March or Gross, you're blocking one of those where... I think for third striker, that pool of players isn't that deep, right? You mentioned Indi and and players. No, like not there's not a clear player in that spot. So Ferguson kind of fits a spot where there's not a lot of competition almost. So no. you still get your you still get your Brighton player. There's a risk he obviously doesn't play game week one, and you have to deal with that if he doesn't. But well, you, yeah, or in there at the minute because there's a there's a spot in my squad that there's not really an option for. So why not put a Brighton player in it? The same way with the goalkeeper, why not put an Arsenal player in it? So that, that's why I've got him right now. Yeah, I mean that makes that makes complete sense to me. In all fairness, you know he's a six point, he's a six million price point. There isn't much around there that has got his numbers. In all fairness, like I mentioned, Endai five point five, 
he's going to be Sheffield United's talisman. He was in the championship, but at the same time, he's not going to get as many numbers as he did there because it's a different league. Um, the one per, uh, Fadsley mentioned uh, uh, earlier that if Mitrovic is possibly is probably going, we mentioned that earlier in the pod. Uh, then you've got um, Vinicius at five million. There's no way that Fulham don't buy a striker and they're going to leave him as a five million that that striker up top. He's fucking garbage. Excuse my French. Mm-hmm. Um, he really is. So there's no way that Fulham don't invest anyway. So again, that's the there's no striker there. I don't think, you know, it's a, it's a great thought to have a 5 million playing striker there, but no, not for me. So you're, you're right. Ferguson at 6 million probably is your best bet. And you've got, and, and you know, he's going to get minutes because we've seen it here. Um, well, I think it's safe to say, it doesn't start. He's probably going to come on and maybe 30. Yeah, years I was about to say, exactly. Ball, it's something, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was about to say. Like if he doesn't start, you probably guarantee he's going to come on. Um, and, and, and it's Luton, first game. You know, he could score easily. You give him 30 minutes, he can score. You know, that's as simple as that. Um, just make sure, I guess, you've got kind of maybe a second strongish bench as well, just in case. I think so. That's the only other thing. Well, I mean, I've seen some people's benches and they are literally dog shit. Um, and I tell you a million times, you know, I'm somebody who goes in with a semi-strong bench to make sure I've got coverage. Um, I can't, I can't do, I can't just, I can't have a crap bench not doing it i refuse just to make it a bit more complicated we're going to the last slide darren this is this is this the point cast yeah this so we think playing. we think brighton play three two five so one striker two wide forwards two number eights or an eight and a ten whatever way you want to view it then obviously the there's a six as well now mccallis has left so he mainly played as a number eight slash number ten um, Kaiseido may leave, so they may need another number six. But these are all priced up in FPL. There's a couple here that you may recognise for the odd substitute minutes last year. Um, there's others that you may not recognise here. But this is how many options Brighton have got for a handful of roles. So I, I do think it's... So you've got Ferguson, Welbeck and Undav to play up front. Or maybe Joel Pedro could play up front. Came from Watford, I think, plays across the forward positions. Yep. So I think he's where Matoma really does only play off the left. I think Pedro could play left, right, or as a number 10. I think he's more yep. likely to play as a number 10 would be my guess. But the number 10 role is wide open now between Joel Pedro, between Enciso, Gross could play there. Um, Adam Lalana started as a number 10 last year before he got injured. I don't know what his conditions like, but he could come back in and play there as well. Um, I think the guy that Buonate, I think we saw him a couple of times play off the right where Mark was injured. I think he's he's, he's right. ideal position is number ten as well. Yeah. So, so if everyone played in their best position, I think he's a number ten. Um, the Hood um, obviously came from Germany. Oh, I think he's Dortmund. Be the most likely to play as the number eight would be my guess. The way he played yeah. before, not saying he's like for like for McAllister, but I think he looks like a number eight to me. Good experience. Where's he like 26, 27? Looking at all the names on this list, if they've got to play, replace McAllister with someone, if it's not Gross playing as an eight more often, I think he's the next in line. So, players that Adingra was on loan last season, and he yeah, in Belgium, eleven goals, nine assists. Yeah, you're not telling me that he's not going to get game time this year. We've got the Europa League. Right? What's that? We've got the Europa League. Yeah, he's they've they've got they need they need the depth, so they're not going to be loaning him back out. But with those sort of attacking returns, <laughs> you know he's he's a decent footballer. Was so, he at USG, wasn't he? Saint Louis, was that Louis uh, he Union, yeah, Union Saint G. That'll do. Yeah, so the say it's the feeder club, isn't it? Tony Bloom, who owns mm. Brighton, also owns them. Yeah. So Matoma had a year on loan there uh, previously as well. See, I can't say Buonate play in many minutes because he does play normally on the right-hand side. Um, and, and as number 10, you've got, as I mentioned, Nciso. I think Andre, Adingra does play number 10 as well. He plays off the left. I think he'll be back up to Matoma. Oh, um, okay, okay. I think they, I think he's a bit more averse. I'd say Matoma really only does play off the left. I think within the Brighton camp, I think there's some feeling he could be a new trossard in terms of his capabilities of playing across the forward line of Dingra. He primarily plays off the left. Um, 21, isn't he, from Sierra Leone or something? I think it could be odd. Is he Senegal? Somewhere like that. Um, I, yeah, I, th- I think Ivory, Ivory Coast. I was close. Yeah, yeah, he's good, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, Ivory Coast. Um, 
Yeah, for, I mean, I take Lallana and Milner out of the equation. Like, genuinely, they're, they're not going to start every game at all. They're, they're literally backup options and the squad players for the depth they need for the for the because they're in more competitions this year. Gilmore it's it's going with these youngsters, right? A lot of these are under 21. Yeah, experience. Yeah, like Dahoud is. Dahoud's been playing for Dortmund for quite a while, and I think he was loaned out. So, I mean, Dahoud's got decent experiences, and he's a, he's a decent player. Like Dahoud should start the majority of those games, and I think you're right. He will be number eight. I think he'll be plum centre. Um, so, I mean, I think Dahoud on the right Ari. I think he's got Sweden caps already. He's quite young. I've actually he's actually a midfielder. He's not a forward, but I think he's another one that could play as a number eight. I wouldn't be surprised if he. Sort of does well. The other one to note as well is Kozlowski. Um, I think he's another one that was at the same club, that the same Belgian club as Adingra. Okay. Also, just a year at Vitesse. He's already been capped by Poland, even though he's 19. He's got about eight caps. No, Kozlowski. Oh, Kozlowski. Yeah, that makes sense. I think a year at Vitesse last year, I think he played quite a lot of games. They say he's been capped six, eight times by Poland, 19. Is he one that could come sort of out of the blue and start playing for, for Brighton. You wouldn't put it past him, right? As someone that develops into a player. And then, as you say, Moda, he's been injured for about a year and a half, I think, did his cruciate. And I think he's only just sort of back around the first team again now from quite a serious injury. But he was quite well thought of before he got injured and was even playing minutes sort of two years ago for Brighton. So depending on how he's recovered, he may be an option to play as the six. If, if Caicedo leaves, um, he may be the, the first choice that may end up playing as the six. Because I don't see too many other sixes behind Caicedo. They've got players that can do it. Like Gilmore plays quite deep sometimes. Um, so some of these young, younger players, could they be moulded into a six? The Kozlowskis or the Ayaris? I, I don't know. But Moda would, would maybe fit that um, builder best. This slide was really just to prove there's how many options Brighton have got just to make it even more complicated, really. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, Kozlowski and Moda are both Polish. So when you said Polish, I did think of Moda. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it doesn't say it seems as Polish as Kozlowski, in all fairness. Um, yeah, they've got a lot keep, of support. I just keep thinking Monsters Inc. whenever I see his name. Yeah. <laughs> this reminds me of him. <laughs> cool. Well, I'd like to say oh, we've helped you today. But I'm more confer- I'm more confused than ever. Yeah, I think it's your, it's, your, it's your appetite for risk a little bit. Well, I think there's a couple of factors here. One, how long do you want the Brighton player for? If you're keeping them for 10, 15 game weeks or at least having that intention, then perfectly fine to go with any of them. I think Matoma, March, Gross, I think those three are all fairly reliable for 10, 12 starts in the first 15 or something. Um, if you want the higher upside pick, just for the first three game weeks and you, it, if it goes wrong or you've lost these three game weeks of points that you might be able to make up and you can transfer them out. It does feel like an Undav or a Ferguson is probably more likely to get you big hauls in the first couple of weeks is my viewpoint. Um, and I think NC so is just a bit too punty. That number 10 role especially is so open. I'm really intrigued to see where Joel Pedro plays if they start him. Mm. Obviously FPL have priced him up as a forward which makes it a bit tricky. If he was a 5.5 mid that would be maybe quite interesting because I think I don't think you'll play up front. I think you will play as a 10 more likely. So that position is so open that I wouldn't want to commit to an NCSO or a, someone like that, even if they're cheap. just feels like that's a real recipe for rotation to me. Where if I say Ferguson, I feel like you're going to get 60 or 30 every game from him. Yeah. Where NCSO, he may, not, he, he may start one game, then come on as a sub the next one, then miss two or something because there's so much rotation. Yeah. It's yeah. just... So difficult. I've seen people talk about NC, so but yeah, I know he's good good price point, but yeah, until I know he's playing consistently, it's it's not for me. Um right. So yeah, I think that's nothing more to add. I think there's enough for people to go as we as we always say on this but we don't like telling people what to do. We like to give people some data and some opinion and some thought and then them <laughs> sort of taking whatever direction they want to take it in and listen to what bits they think are useful from this and what bits they might think are complete rubbish from this. I'm sure that everyone will have an opinion. We're in no but, position to tell people what to do. That's why. Uh, we ain't charging, Darren. That's why. If we charge, then we could tell yeah, people. Yeah. Or we could, have, <laughs> we, could, we could get sponsored by other people that people hate. And then, yeah, we won't do that either. Um, but yeah, guys, like, like, follow, subscribe, you know, give the, give the stream a like. That, that always helps us. And uh, we are very close to 600 subscribers. So uh, your subscription means a lot to us. We've done very well recently. Well, so I appreciate yeah, it. 
we won a thousand right by the end of the season. If we can get up near there, that would be a good a good effort. Yeah, that that sounds lovely. I'll take a thousand by the end of the season. Yeah, that's that's the goal. I shall make it so. <laughs> cool. All right, mate. Well, thank you very much for joining me this evening. Um, just us. We slammed it well because I'm going to be in the dark. In I'm already. In I the did dark notice. Right? Yeah, I was going to say who's speaking. <laughs> um, in fact, I believe it will be both. It'll be us two next week as well, won't it? I think Martin's away for two weeks. Um, he won't be able to make it Monday. So again, just us. And I don't know if we've got a topic, but if uh, anyone wants to suggest a topic, we could potentially look at that as well, couldn't we? As long as you get it in in plenty of time. Because <laughs> we, uh, we could do that. We could do that. But uh, yeah, we'll come up with something. Perfect. All right. Cheers, fella. No problem. Bye. See you soon.